Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. The point is not to perfect yourself. It's to perfect your love. American Buddhist teacher Jack Kornfield is speaking. I'm deeply compelled by the idea, yes, we are human, perfectly imperfect humans, but we can perfect our love. What's in the way of loving perfectly? Loving with a wide, deep spaciousness, loving with an unbounded heart. The Buddha taught that we are constrained by what he called the five hindrances. Longing, aversion, sloth, restlessness, and doubt. To do the spiritual work to clear the hindrances is to perfect our love. The hindrances are the places we get stuck, the places that throw us off course. Longing is a pleasure for sensual desire or wanting what isn't ours. Aversion is ill will or wanting things to be different from what they are and pushing them away. Sloth is dullness, boredom, laziness, and sleepiness. Doubt is obstinate skepticism and inaction. The trick is to be on the lookout for an attack of the hindrances. Pay attention when they arise and try to understand just what set us off. Reset our intention and make a better choice and clear the path, freeing us to be more joyful, more peaceful, and more loving. The Buddha said that bearing the burden of the hindrances is akin to living as a debtor, someone who is sick, a prisoner, an enslaved person, and one who is crossing a perilous plane. In a sequence of analogies, he compared the gladness of a mind freed from the burden of longing to the happiness of a person whose business prospered and was finally able to repay a large debt. He compared the joy of a mind without aversion to the delight of someone who had recently recovered from a terrible sickness. He compared the mind released from the bounds of sloth to the joy of a person who had been locked in prison and is finally freed from confinement. He compared a mind unoccupied by restlessness to the thrill of an enslaved person who is freed from slavery, able to go wherever they like. And he compared a mind unfettered by doubt to the feeling of a merchant who, fearing for their safety and survival while traveling through a dangerous desert, finally arrives at the edge of a village. These people, he say, would surely rejoice. 
Each of us has a go-to hindrance, our favorite self-sabotaging detour from the spiritual path. Can you see yourself in any of these? Longing, aversion, sloth, restlessness, doubt. Jewish Buddhist teacher, my friend Sylvia Borstein, tells this story from her Wednesday morning class, which she's taught for many years at Spirit Rock Meditation Center in California. She says, Emily told us about a distressing experience she'd had the previous day. I couldn't believe it, she said. I came out of my apartment building, and there was my car, just where I'd left it the night before, only lower. All the tires had been stolen. I got so upset, I walked the three blocks to Macy's and bought the silk pajamas I'd been coveting. People laughed sympathetically, acknowledging Emily's distress and appreciating the remedy she'd chosen. After that, Emily continued, I went home and called the police. Another person chimed in, I would have found the building manager and given them a piece of my mind. I pay high rent to have good security. I probably would have been in a bad mood all day. Someone else said, I feel like I can't tolerate that kind of sudden stress. When something like that happens, I feel exhausted before I even begin to deal with it. I would have gone back into my apartment, called work, and told them I needed the rest of the day off. And then someone said, well, you people know what a worrier I am. I would have thought, today the tires, tomorrow the car. When I get over one worry, my mind is scanning for the next possible thing to worry about. And finally, someone said, I would have blamed myself. Even if it wasn't my fault, I would have made it all about me. I have this built-in peer review committee always ready to criticize. Really, who appointed them? Sylvia says, by this time, we were all laughing, realizing we had accidentally assembled a list of the ways each of us reacts to challenging circumstances that cloud skillful choices, the five hindrances. Our tires are stolen, and what do we do? Longing goes shopping. Aversion rages with annoyance. Sloth goes back to bed. Restlessness has the whole car stolen. Doubt thinks it's all their fault. And if you hear this story and think you must be kidding, I would have called work to tell them I'd be late, called the police, called my insurance company, called AAA to have the car towed, and then taken the T to work, know that most of us would have done that too. But the point is to notice what we might have liked to do. Say, just run out for a little shop therapy first. Where our minds turn in stressful moments is a clue to the hindrance that calls to us like a siren song the first place our minds go in response to a challenge, and where we want to redouble our efforts to return to the path. After Sylvia tells this story about her students, she tells one about herself. My prominent default position, she says, the one that's been the most painful all my life, is restlessness, an agitation of the mind that manifests as obsessive worrying. Long before I knew about restlessness as a commonly shared form of confusion, I knew I had it. 
I worried about things that were sometimes genuine concerns, she says, which required attention but not obsessive fretting. And I worried about imagined concerns, things that had not yet happened but could. Imagine this scene, Sylvia continues. I was traveling with my husband in a foreign country before cell phones, and we planned to meet for lunch at a restaurant. I arrived on time. Seymour wasn't there. I waited a minute, maybe two, and then I thought, what if something bad has happened to him? What if he got lost? He doesn't speak the language. What if he got sick? He's old. What if he's missing and no one can find him? I suppose I could call the American embassy. If something terrible happened, I'd need to call our family. Only a few minutes had passed, and he strolled into view, happy to tell me about his morning's adventures. I felt dismayed, she says, to find myself caught yet again in a gratuitous mind storm. Each experience like this solidified my view of myself. I am a world-class warrior, I would think, and I guess I'll need to deal with this forever. Calling myself world-class was an attempt to make light of my uncomfortable habit. I wouldn't do that now. Every afflictive mind tendency that becomes a habit is painful. Over the years, I've made the shift from thinking I am stuck with this mind and these tendencies forever to trusting I can be different. I'm not sure these thoughts will stop, but I can stop being held hostage by them. To voice my confidence in the possibility of change, I began to say I'm thinking of myself as a recovering fretter. As a diligent practice, I became particularly vigilant about the arising of frightening thoughts. I described this practice as mindfulness of alarming thoughts. Being genuinely mindful requires that I acknowledge the thoughts with a balanced mind. Whenever I'm able to intercept the thoughts within the tiny space in my awareness before fear enzymes flood through my body, I can recognize that they're only thoughts, and I don't have to believe them. Then the thoughts just become thoughts. They don't stir up a commotion. This is tremendous progress. We all have a favorite hindrance. I want to encourage you to think of which response to the stolen tires comes closest to where your mind would veer off. Which hindrance is your specialty? Again, longing goes shopping. Aversion rages with annoyance. Sloth goes back to bed. Restlessness has the whole car stolen. And doubt thinks it's their fault. Recognizing our habitual patterns goes a long way to interrupting them and finding freedom. Freeing ourselves from longing has nothing to do with doing without beautiful experience. The Tao Te Ching says the secret waits for eyes unclouded by longing. It's about recovering from if only and the delusion that blank will fill our heart and make us happy. 
getting what we think we really want and then scrambling to the next high can be exhausting and is ultimately empty. Aversion manifests as anger and hatred. It can feel righteous and energizing until our hearts shut down and our mood goes bad. Freeing ourselves from aversion frees us from so much suffering. Overcoming the fogginess, sluggishness, and laziness of sloth frees us to live with clarity and vitality, awake and alive. We've heard Sylvia's understanding of freeing ourselves from restlessness and doubt is likened to water that is stirred up, turbid and muddy. Freeing ourselves from doubt is to move beyond the exhaustion that comes with endless questioning and indecisiveness. It enables us to start or start over, recommitting to an energized and sane way of living. Jack Cornfield advises us to identify our dominant hindrance and watch for it to arise. Watch carefully for it, he advises. Notice how it begins and what precedes it. Is there a particular thought that triggers it? Observe where it arises. Notice how long it lasts and when it ends. Can you see it as just a whisper in the mind? See how loud and strong it gets. Notice what patterns of energy or tension reflect this state in the body. The teachers at the Ottawa Mindfulness Clinic have an acronym for working with hindrances. Think RAIN, R-A-I-N. Recognize, accept, investigate, and non-identify. Well, the acronym kind of falls apart on non-identify, but you get the idea. Often, just recognizing a hindrance is enough for it to fall away. If not, accept it, investigate it, and non-identify with it. You are not longing. You are not aversion. You are not sloth. You are not restlessness. You are not doubt. They're just temporary. Recognize, accept, identify, and non investigate and non-identify with a hindrance, any hindrance. And it can be just a passing blip on the screen of bliss in the heartbeat of your perfect love. We can greet our go-to hindrance like someone at our door trying to sell us something we don't want and gently encourage them on their way. I had a college history professor who described opening his door to evangelicals, insistently ringing his doorbell. Have you been saved, they asked. Yes, thank you, he said, and shut the door. Sometimes we just need to shut the door, gently but firmly. Beloved spiritual companions, Let's close with 12th century Persian poet, Hafiz. We have not come here to take prisoners, but to surrender ever more deeply to freedom and joy. 
We have not come into this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. Run, my dear, from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. Run like hell, my dear, from anyone likely to put a sharp knife into the sacred, tender vision of your beautiful heart. We have not come here to take prisoners or to confine our wondrous spirits, but to experience ever and ever more deeply our divine courage, freedom, and light. We have not come into this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. The point is to perfect your love. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Our benediction is from Hafiz. We have not come here to confine our wondrous spirits, but to experience ever and ever more deeply our divine courage, freedom, and light, to surrender ever more deeply to freedom and joy. We have not come into this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and carry it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.